Hey guys, welcome back to the Block Ash Podcast, episode 250 today. Um, we have Iris, she's the co-founder of Koya. We're going to talk a lot about some really cool assets and NFTs and how they can be bought and sold through the platform. Iris, welcome to the show. How are you doing today? I'm good. Thanks for having me. Anytime, anytime. Um, to get started, tell me in the audience a little bit more about yourself. Uh, what did you do before Koya? What do you do um, now with Koya? And what's your overall experience been like uh, coming up through the crypto industry? Yeah, sure. So um, I'm Iris Denzaya. I am one of the co-founders of Koya. And what we're doing at Koya is we're opening up access to alternative assets, starting with collectibles. So think of assets like watches, whiskey, arts, uh, most of mostly physical assets, but also blue chip NFTs. And how we are opening up access is via fractionalizing these assets. So instead of needing 50,000 pounds or 100,000 or maybe even like a million dollars to buy an expensive painting, you now only need $50 to get started through our fractional ownership mechanism. And how we're doing that fractionalization is by using NFTs. So we're linking multiple NFTs to one underlying physical asset. And I can go into a little bit more about you know, how it works um, in a minute, but that is the uh, short, short overview. And in terms of uh, my, my background personally, uh, I've been in startups for most of my career, um, primarily fintech. So before Koya, I helped build a digital bank based out of Hong Kong, was the first employee there, helped the founders grow their business, um, mostly focused on business development, marketing, was there for about five years and then um, decided to move on and set up uh, my own company together with two co-founders, Richard Draper and Ben Riazzi. So my co-founder's background is um, one of them is coming more from a tech background and the other one more from a finance and investment background. And yeah, how, how did I get into the crypto blockchain space? So for us, we were really interested in these, uh, yeah, and opening up access to these alternative assets, uh, helping people get access to assets and things that they're passionate about, that they understand, um, things that they normally cannot get access to and that are normally very, very out of reach. And then for us, the blockchain element, the NFT element, tokenization element, that, that was just a way to enable what we wanted to do. So it's, it, it's not necessarily the case of, okay, we want to start a crypto startup. It was really around how can we give people access to these items that are normally so out of reach and, you know, looking at lots of different options, how we could do that. I mean, it wasn't necessarily a straightforward path. We looked at different different ways to enable this, uh, different legal structures. Obviously, the legal element is, is a big big part of this as well. So how can we make sure that you know everything is compliant? And we just ultimately found that uh, linking NFTs was the most suitable, most scalable way to, to enable this. And also, you know, um, allowing people to, to not only buy fractions, but also to trade these fractions then easily. Uh, yeah, NFTs were just the most suitable option to accomplish our, our mission. Nice. Yeah, I think the inspiration is very similar for a lot of projects where they want to create more inclusivity and accessibility for people around assets, whether traditional or non-traditional. Um, so that's really awesome what you guys are doing. How are you doing it, though? What type of assets are you guys looking to um, make more accessible through NFTs? And then how does that process work? How do you guys go about making them attached to these NFTs? 
Yeah, so in terms of um, the assets that we're starting with, uh, so if you go to our you know website, our platform, you can check out some of the the assets that are currently live. Um, so we've got at the moment we've got a a watch, Pokemon card, or or a box of Pokemon cards, um, and an exclusive collectible whiskey. So these are the sorts of assets that we're starting with. But the idea is to be multi-asset class and be very much driven by our community. So you know what what is the community interested in? But then also there's just two other elements to that as well. So one of them is, you know, what is the community interested in? Also, what's sort of the investment rationale? Like, do we believe that this asset has has a potential to, you know, go up in value? And then thirdly, of course, also the sourcing element, because at the moment, uh, yeah, Koya, together with our, our experts and then partners, we... Um, we we take care of the sourcing, so we also need to make sure, of course, that we can get access to to really high quality um, supply. And then yeah, how it works is that uh, so Koya identifies um, assets, we source it, we authenticate it. Then we also take care of the storage and insurance. And um, then yeah, we we link NFTs to these to these assets. So it can be there's no fixed amount. It can be 100 NFTs linked to an asset or 200 NFTs. Once it's fixed, it's 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 set, but it's it, it's um it depend it depends on the underlying asset value. If we've got an asset as a million dollars, probably we're going to link more NFTs to that than an asset as a hundred thousand dollars, just to keep the price of the NFT um accessible. And uh, yeah, so how it works is users either sign up via email or if they already have a crypto wallet, they can connect their their their, their MetaMask or other or the sort of wallets. Um, then they can browse through sort of the assets that we've got on the platform. They can um, buy a fraction uh, starting from 20 USDC. Uh, if, if the user doesn't yet have USDC in their in their wallet, we've got a um, we've got a um, on-ramp provider uh, that you know helps users convert their regular dollars or pounds into USDC. Uh, then they can mint a fraction, and then uh, the fraction is in their wallet. Either the user can hold that fraction until the asset is sold, or they can trade the fraction. Uh, one other, one other, like sort of last point to note is this is also always a common question. Like, okay, so how do you guys decide when this asset is going to be sold? So that is based on a user uh, user vote. So the um, token holders they get a say, and it's a decisive say in terms of let's say we get a buyout offer. Okay, do the token holders approve? Yes or no? If the majority approves, um, the asset would be sold, and then the NFT holders, they would get their proportional proceeds. If someone holds one out of 100 NFTs, they'd get 1% of that sale. Got it. So that is, uh, yeah, that, that's that's it in a nutshell. Cool. Uh, that's a good overview. Is it all these assets curated by you guys in particular, or do you allow this to be more community-driven? Do you have people come and sell uh, their assets through the platform on their own independently? Um, or what's the structure look like, or where are you guys yeah. at with that? So at the moment, the assets are curated by us together with experts. So for example, if I mean, we, we've also got a real, we, we recently started with our own YouTube channel as well. So we've got, um, you can see some content that we've done with experts. So for example, on the whiskey side, we're working with um, a whiskey broker in the UK called Mark Littler. So he's advising us in terms of what assets to source on the whiskey side. On the mm -hmm. watch side, we're working also with an expert, um, Justin Hast. So uh, at the moment, we are curating it uh, together with, with these experts. In the future, we do want to become more, more open. Um, at the moment, we are open to, of course, community feedback, but it's not necessarily a marketplace where people can just 
go and list something themselves. Reason why we're not starting out as a marketplace is because as any startup founder or any business minded person will probably know, you know, two-sided marketplaces are always difficult because it's already, you've, you know, you don't have users yet. So no one wants Mm -hmm. to sell on your marketplace. And so it's always this chicken and egg. So we decided, okay, in the first year, we will take care of the supply side and we will take care of, you know, having interesting assets on the platform. Um, so we don't have to worry about attracting suppliers in that sense. And we're just going to worry about getting the users in the future. We might want to open that up and become more of a marketplace. Yeah. Do you have a defined milestone that you guys want to hit before you begin to open it up as an actual marketplace like this? Um, so, so yeah, so we've got, um, we've, we've got a couple of, um, numbers in our mind in terms of, okay, we've want to have sold a certain number of assets. But there's also another element there, which is around processes and authentication. Because if we are sourcing from a professional seller only, what we're doing at the moment, let's say the whiskey, we've, we've bought it from Diageo's official mm-hmm. retail partner. So there's no question about authenticity. When you become a marketplace, there's a lot more work that needs to be done to make sure that it's, this item is authentic. So again, it, mm-hmm. adds, it adds some operational complexity uh, so mm. we're not there yet um so, so it's a process i would say that's probably going to come over the next six to 12 months got it what does your vetting process look like for um an asset that you want to back with an nft it, you don't have to go into too much detail if it's like proprietary or anything but kind of i guess in a nutshell um take the whiskey for example how do you determine that a bottle of whiskey is something that's valuable for people to invest in or that it's going to go up over time um do you look into the history of that product in particular do you look into uh past market value or trade value that it might have had or could have yeah, in the potential yeah. future what's of, the process look like a couple of different factors i mean uh if we're taking the example of the specific like the whiskey for, that we recently uh launched um so yeah this this is a couple of reasons why we you know decided to to purchase that specific item uh, the historical returns for whiskey have been really strong. So it's been over 400% return the past 10 years for rare whiskeys and even stronger for this particular distillery. Um, also, you know, this distillery, Brora, it's a distillery that was uh, closed, had been closed for many years, and it was just bought by Diageo um, last year. And they really want to invest in the distillery and in the brand. So it's expected that as they're doing that and as they're going to, you know, spend a lot on marketing, awareness is going to only increase and that would drive up potentially the value of these these older older whiskies um it's it's one of, it's just one of 300 sets so it's relatively exclusive so we're looking at these kinds of uh, of you know um characteristics uh then we also take into account expert um, expert advice and opinion so as i mentioned for example the whiskey expert that we are working with and then thirdly there is of course also more of a data-driven data-driven approach so um my co-founder richard uh, as he's got a uh, background in wealth management and he used to work at a hedge fund so we also are looking to bring in more of that quantitative and data-driven approach um because i would say today a lot of the collectibles market is still driven by because there's still a lot of you know opinions or experts and i think that is that is really important because they are they are deeply deeply ingrained and they know a lot about the space and they might have um insights that you know uh, not everyone has so i think those things that those, those opinions are really important to take into account but definitely we want to combine that or we are combining that with also a more data-driven approach 
what blockchain are these NFTs being created on or which one are you building this on as a backbone? Yeah, so uh, we've built our solution on Polygon. A uh, mm -hmm. couple of reasons for that. The main reasons are costs. Um, because our NFTs are not are, are accessible, we wanted to keep everything accessible, so we didn't want to set the price too high. So uh, some of our NFTs are $20 or $50. So of course, it doesn't make sense if then the gas fees would be $30 to buy like mm -hmm. a $20 NFT. So yeah, we really wanted to keep the... Um, uh, we, we wanted to find, you know, a solution with low gas fees, but also that was EVM um, compatible. So ultimately, uh, yeah, landed on, on Polygon. Got it. Do you have a way of maybe categorizing these different types of assets? So maybe the whiskeys can go in like a spirits section of different assets and then maybe cars go in auto and watches go in accessories do you is that like what you eventually see it panning out to be having all these different categories of maybe non-traditional assets that people can buy um or do you want it's kind of random and exciting or what's the organization structure of this yeah so uh we want to be we want to be multi-asset class so we're going to have different categories on a platform similar similar to other sort of you know e-commerce type marketplaces that are not necessarily related to fractional or investing um i do think as you say it makes sense to focus on a couple of categories because the more random items you add because what we've noticed as well is let's say um watches or whiskey as i told you you know we need to find experts to to help us so we cannot branch into 20 different categories because it would just be too much uh, it's it's better for us to to to, to focus on a couple of different areas, uh, create content around those those specific asset classes, get our expertise, uh, find users who are interested in that asset class, um, and then of course you can cross sell them different different kinds of assets as well. But yeah, the idea would be to for this year focus on three to five different asset classes, expand that as we grow. But there is always there is a there is a limit. Of course, we cannot just add quote unquote, random assets. Got it. Yeah, absolutely. What um, does the on-ramp kind of look like um, overall? I know we kind of talked about it briefly, but there's generally two classes of people in crypto, the people that are inclined and the people that are uninclined um, to purchase NFTs. Have you thought about those potential different on-ramps and how people will be able to purchase these and participate in buying a fractionalized asset? Yeah, so... Um... At the moment, we have an we have got an on ramp um, provider. So how it works is the user signs up if they don't have any crypto yet or don't have any USDC. Uh, they are they get a pop they get to see a pop up um, where they're asked to um, use their you know bank bank transfer or credit card to top up um, their wallet. This is of course taking away some of the friction, but in my opinion, I mean uh, we also try to say critical one always push for things to be better i think you know it's actually it's maybe it's not or not maybe it is probably not good enough yet because as you say uh people want especially the people who are new to web3 um they wouldn't necessarily accept any sort of friction so the ideal flow for 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 me would be that you know there's no need necessarily to convert fiat to crypto or to stablecoin and then buy the nft ideally it would just be like a pure sort of e-commerce type checkout where you just see a fraction you don't need we don't necessarily even need to use the nft wording it's just like oh i want to have a fraction of this rolex um it's a hundred dollars for example you press buy use apple pay and you've got the 
fraction in your account, that would be the ideal sort of checkout um, that we're working towards. Got it. Um, have you guys experienced any type of concern or hurdle in regards to regulation in doing this? Has it limited you guys uh, in your ability to do this in Europe or access other markets like the US market? What's your experience been like so far? Oh, uh, I mean, obviously regulation is always, for any fintech, crypto mm -hmm. business, regulation is always going to be something that is really important um, and something that we spend quite a bit of time and, and, and money on. So mm -hmm. when, we start, when we started out with this idea, we had a couple of different paths in mind, one of them being the one that we're doing now. But actually it was really difficult for us to find um, the right lawyers that really understood this area because it's already NFTs are really new. Then, you know, specifically what we wanted to do, even more new and even more niche. Um, and we didn't want to work with, we wanted to work with like a very reputable like law firm. So it, it took time. Um, so what, and what happened in the meantime, just because it took us a while to, you know, find, find the right type of lawyers. In the meantime, we actually had been thinking and working on another structure uh, that we ultimately didn't pursue, but spent quite a bit of time on, which was more of a crowdfunding structure, which is more similar to, we've got a couple of competitors in the US that are in a, is working in a similar space. So for example, one of them is Masterworks, uh, focused on fractional art investing. Um, and what they're, what they're doing and what some of the other US players are doing is they're putting an asset in a company and then um, investors can invest in that company. But the problem is that, you know, you're going to end up with hundreds of companies uh, potentially, um, which comes with a lot of overhead, a lot of uh, a lot of work to manage it. So we thought this is not really ideal. We it's much better, much cleaner, much cheaper, much more scalable to run this with uh, with um, all of the new possibilities that crypto is now provide as has now been providing us as with. But we didn't want to pull the trigger on doing it before we knew that you know it's 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 compliant we're not breaking any any laws uh, which now you know based, based on our legal advice that we've gotten we, we're, com we're comfortable and confident that that we're not and actually the, the the big advantage of doing this nft structure is that it is actually more flexible in terms of of um where we are allowed and able to sell this this product um because yeah we are at the moment we're uh, we're open to international users we are able to sell in pretty much any market aside from you know sanctioned countries or uh countries where you know nfts are just completely banned or stable coins completely banned but yeah open to 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 most users in the world which is a big advantage of using this structure things might change um you know the, the, the regulation is, is moving pretty quickly nfts might will and might become more regulated um, but for the moment yeah we are able to to sell in most countries around the world that's good. And being able to avoid a lot of those restrictions is kind of nice. It's definitely an issue in the space where things get a little overregulated sometimes. Um, happens with new uh, frontier and innovative technologies uh, like, like blockchain, what you guys are doing. Um, let's talk about logistics for a second. Let's say someone buys that bottle of whiskey um, or they, they invest in that bottle of whiskey. Is it possible for them to buy the whole thing? Um, yeah, so if someone would buy all of the fractions, they would become mm -hmm. the uh, legal owner, and mm -hmm. uh, they would we would be able to ship it to their to their house or wherever they want okay. to ship it to. And in terms of logistics at the moment, sort of where it's stored, we've got we're working with two storage locations: one for like wine and whiskey because 
there has to be it has to be captain specific like temperature um humidity conditions and then we've got another storage location that is for just small valuable items like watches mm -hmm. or the book or the trading cards um at the moment both of these locations are in the uk probably as we expand and resource we're going to source from different places probably we'll have more source or we'll, we'll we're going to we're going to have more storage locations around the world but at the moment yeah these are in in, in the uk got it does logistics at the moment uh restrict some of the assets maybe you'd want to list and get into like cars for example maybe you guys want to list um luxury cars or classic cars um that might hold their value very well or go up over time logistically that might be difficult to export to a certain country is that something you guys kind of stay away from for now that might be difficult to fulfill um is a specific genre of assets you guys want to focus on regardless uh, of yeah i mean actually that was the, you gave a really good example because cars okay. uh we, we were looking at you know uh what are our users interested in and that's a big factor in, in deciding what we want to put on the platform so let's say watches is something that our community is really interested in which is why mm. it's one of the categories we're focused on but cars is a really good example because that's another category that our community has been saying you know that they're interested in but um we decided not to start out with with that category exactly because of some of the reasons that you mentioned storage is a bit more challenging it's expensive also maintenance is, is pretty or can get pretty expensive um which means that you know you have to take all of these costs into account so of course you can charge users users more fees but then i mean no one likes paying fees and also it doesn't really maybe it doesn't make sense if you have to pay that many fees if the asset doesn't go up that much in value ultimately you're not really making any money so um yeah there are definitely some asset classes that are more more challenging from from the operational and logistical point of view got it let's zoom out for a second i want to get your opinion on nfts a bit more broadly as well especially nfts that have more utility what are your thoughts on where the industry is at in regards to uh, NFTs as a token, and then do you think that utility is going to really bolster um, this niche in blockchain and give it a lot more value? Obviously, you're in this line of business, um, yeah. but I guess the type of utility matters too. Yeah, so I would say um, we're still, I mean, obviously, we're still very early. If you're looking at the statistics of how many people have actually bought an NFT, it's still like such a small percentage of the population. And I do think that utility is going to change that. And, you know, it's not only going to be about collectibles or fractional ownership, what we're doing, that, that's just one, that's just, you know, that's just one area. But there, I think there's a lot of other areas where NFTs can be used that are more, or where NFTs can be applied in, in cases that's, that are more than just digital art. So uh, for example, I think um, when it comes to physical assets, Authenticity and, and provenance is an interesting one. So track tracking assets throughout their supply chain, um, or or keeping track of what transac complicated transactions, complex transactions with real estate, I think are an interesting use case. There's one company in the US called Propy that is working on that. Um, I think uh, another area that, that that I find very interesting. I'm actually doing an event about it next week. Not 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 very related to Koya at all, but it's around music and uh, music and nfts uh, artists how can how can artists leverage uh nfts tokens to uh, monetize their work uh mo sponsor uh, creating 
creating new work and also but also in a way that makes sense for fans like you know that they're getting something out of it that they're getting something back whether that's in the form of financial rewards or it could also be in the form of you know getting benefits getting access to a special concert or meet and greets um i think we're now also just about to start seeing more traditional industries looking at nfts so for example restaurants coffee shops gyms you know how can they benefit and from this new technology how can they get you know um people to buy into memberships or longer perhaps longer term memberships uh and, and charge charge slightly higher prices because the as a, as a token holder as a member i know okay if i ever move cities at least i can just sell this nft and it's going to hopefully retain its value and then it's obviously good for the cash flow of that business as well so i think we're going to see a lot more a lot more use cases that are just more familiar to people and that are not that are not all about speculation absolutely the revolution is coming i, I can i can feel it already with nfts um do you guys have a community like a discord or telegram where people were go to chit chat about you know koya or what you guys are doing yeah, so we've got a uh, we've got a Discord. The link is on our um, on our website. I'll share it as well, so you can add it later in the YouTube um, comments mm -hmm. or our description. Um, so yeah, that is uh, where we are communicating with with our with our community. Perfect. Um, social media. Where can people find Koya and learn a bit more? Just the website. Uh, yeah, so there's so our Twitter, website Facebook. is our website is joinkoya.com, and then our social handles are on there. But it's easy to remember because okay. all of them are just join Koya. So that's uh, perfect. What about yourself? Can people find. find you? Yeah. So um, you can also find me on Twitter. So that's just my name. Uh, I'll write it up in the comments or in the chat here as well. Cool. Guys, be sure to go follow Iris, go follow uh, Koya and check out what they're doing. Make sure to like the video and subscribe as well. And Iris, thank you for taking the time to come on the show. I uh, really appreciate it. A lot of detail. Very cool what you guys are doing. I really do think it's the future direction for NFTs and providing more value. And it's um, it's cool getting into fractionalization and more non-traditional assets. So thank you for the time and the explanations and detail. Cool. Thank you so much for having me, Brendan. And yeah, if anyone, the, if any of the listeners have questions, uh, feel free to reach out to us. And uh, yeah, we're happy to to chat. Perfect. Uh, stay on for just a second, and we'll chat. Anyways, we um, will see you again in the future on the show.